You are listening to the Conscious Pharmacist Podcast, an Advantage Healthcare Services Mental Health Matters series, a show highlighting the vision and mission of Advantage Healthcare Services, creating innovative, integrative solutions for a healthier California and healthier communities. Now, here's your host, author, speaker, patient advocate, director of clinical pharmacy at Advantage Healthcare Services, and your conscious pharmacist, Michelle Sherman. Welcome to the Conscious Pharmacist Podcast. I'm Michelle Sherman, Director of Clinical Pharmacy for Advantage Healthcare Services and the host of the Conscious Pharmacist Podcast. Welcome to our episode of Mental Health Matters today, where I am thrilled to have a guest on our show who is a partner that we work with very closely at Advantage Healthcare Services, Dr. Rimal Berra, who is a clinical professor of psychiatry at UCI Medical Center in Irvine, California. Welcome to our show, Dr. Berra. Thanks for coming on. Thank, thank you so much, Michelle. I'm very happy to be here uh, and participate in this podcast. Thank you. You know, uh, our theme for today is, you know, to discuss innovative approaches to the use of long-acting injectables in psychiatric care. And um, I have some questions to go through and have this dialogue with you to discuss the use of LAIs and how it's changing trends and changing approaches on how we take care of our patients um, today. So let's discuss the use of LAIs in psychiatric patients and how has it changed the landscape for providers like yourself and for the patients that we serve? Absolutely. You know, great opening question. You know, Michelle, um, I'm, I have been uh, in the field of uh, psychiatry uh, for 33 years now, and uh, my primary area of specialties have been with the chronic mental illnesses, uh, schizophrenia, refractory bipolar sort of refractory uh, major depression. And one of the biggest challenges we have uh, that I've observed, but certainly all of my colleagues, is adherence to treatment. Uh, the one thing that's quite different and unique about mental illnesses versus physical illnesses, these are brain illnesses um, where parts of the brain are compromised. Uh, in specific for long-acting injectables, over the years, they've mainly been focused in the area of schizophrenia, which is a thought disorder. The part of the brain that's impacted by schizophrenia is the frontal lobe. And that's the front part of the brain, which we know um, dysfunction uh, often has its foundation there that leads to the condition and symptoms of schizophrenia. And what's the function of the frontal lobe? It's initiative, drive, motivation, inside judgment. So it makes sense that an individual with schizophrenia may not always appreciate what happens when they're not on their treatment. So I've always, as my colleagues have, how can we keep people on treatment? That is probably the, the biggest challenge we have in major mental illnesses. People get well. We really have good novel treatments that have come forward. But once they're well, they often will stop these medications. And that's where I think long-acting injectables really had their first introduction 
to where they could really play a big piece. These are medicines that an individual may have to only take once a month, once every two months, once every three months, and we now have a once every six month injection. So it, it makes sense that if you can keep somebody on a medicine longer, they'll probably do well. So, you know, that's been one place where I think our understanding of the importance of long-acting injectables has been coming forward. You know, you, you bring up a good point, you know, about ad adherence. You know, as, as pharmacists, that's always the focal point of, you know, trying to keep our patients in care and taking their meds so they can be as healthy as possible. And you're absolutely right. With, with mental illness, adherence becomes a challenge because if somebody's controlled and they're doing well and then something happens or they miss their doses or they're having drug drug interactions or side effects, they're going to just, you know, discard taking their medicines and then decompensate and end up at ground zero again and you have to start doing it again. So, you know, from from our practice also at Advantage, we've seen, you know, much better results because we're removing that daily adherence factor. The Also the issue with absorption and do you have to take pills on an empty stomach or a full stomach and put it, putting in parameters that make it so difficult for our, you know, severely mentally ill patients to be able to do that. So I, you're right. I, th I think these long-acting injectables have been like a game changer, like, you know, in treatment. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you touched on some important points there, uh, Michelle. To have appropriate, comprehensive, and successful treatment, it really involves a team with, with regards to a condition like schizophrenia. And when I say a team, it's more than just a prescriber like myself choosing a medicine and prescribing it and that prescription going to the pharmacy. It involves the pharmacy playing a real key role, as you mentioned, in explaining why Dr. Barra maybe has chosen this medicine, helping them understand how to access that medicine if there's some uh, reimbursement insurance concerns, letting them know where they'll get that injection, often delivering the medicine to that, uh, uh, to the setting where the person may be residing, or even many pharmacies now actually administer the injections. Having the family involved, uh, it's so critical to have the family understand why we're using this long-acting injectable. For so many years, it was looked at as a punitive approach. Oh, we're gonna give you an injection because we can't trust you, you can't remember really educating the family that this is a positive direction. This is not for any punitive purposes. And then finally, and maybe most importantly, supporting the patient in why we're doing this uh, and any hesitancy that they may have in this approach. So really critical that all of these parts are communicating uh, when you decide that a long acting injectable is the direction that you feel is best for this person. Um, I can't tell you how often, you know, I get a call from a pharmacy saying, you know, Joe uh, didn't get his medicine this last week. Uh, are you aware he should have been injected yesterday? 
that, you know, right away I can intervene and our staff can, Joe, uh, did you forget that medicine? You know, you can come in tomorrow. There's not an emergency. They missed the exact day, but the, the safeguards. And, and I think that's another be big beauty, beauty of long acting injectables. We don't have to guess on adherence or non-adherence. We know the day they didn't come in for their injection is the first day that non-adherence sets in. I have no idea on my patients on oral medicines that they didn't come in or what day they're not you know, taking the medicines fully, but I have a clear idea and an exact you know, uh, certainty with long-acting injectables. And I think that's one of the other really big benefits. We eliminate that guesswork of compliance. You know, you touch on a great point because, you know, you know exactly when that patient got that injection and it was administered either by your, your team, by the nurse's team, or even the pharmacist at, at, at the pharmacy. Whereas the adherence of, of orals is not that accurate. Even, you know, many studies look at pharmacy refills, but even if the patient got it refilled on the 30th day of each month and it got delivered to the patient's hand, how do we know that they actually put the pill in their mouth? Like ever, we don't. So that's why this modality eliminates all those things. And it's such a good, um, you know, treatment for, for our patients. And of course, uh, as opposed to a lot of the, the orals that are much cheaper, it's, it's a very expensive modality, which brings me to my next question. In your experience, what are the barriers that you see to access to long-acting injectables for our patients? Yeah, there, there are a few barriers. And, and that's been an area I've been most interested in, in you know, trying to understand these barriers and how can we ad address them. Um, first and foremost, I think one of the barriers is I, I think there's not enough prescribers presenting this as an option. And I, I think that's for uh, multiple reasons. Uh, many of these prescribers who may work, you know, right now, long-acting injectables are approved for schizophrenia uh, and uh, bipolar disorder. They may not have the comfort, really sophistication of the best way of presenting these medications. Uh, many psychiatrists still work in private practice offices here. In fact, there was a recent study that 50% of patients with schizophrenia in the United States are being treated in private practice offices. That may be just one person by themselves. So I can appreciate where they may be hesitant to initiate a long acting, not really feeling comfortable, you know, touching a patient, actually administering an injection. And what do they do with the needle? They may not have a sharps container. So just simple logistics, I think, is one barrier for many uh, 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 psychiatrists or prescribers. The second is it's still viewed by many prescribers as, oh, a last line. I've tried so many different oral agents, which are easy to prescribe, send to the pharmacy, and they just take a, that they still view this as, oh, after failing many repeated hospitalizations, now we have to 
really take control of treatment and provide an injection. So I think the mindset of a lot of prescribers is also a barrier. The next is the patient. Uh, many patients are reluctant to get an injection. You know, think of all of us. I mean, when we're presented with injection, there's gonna be a little bit of anxiety of the pain. Why an injection? Does that mean my illness is more severe? Why are you thinking of an injection? So just explaining the nature that this doesn't mean you're more ill or not. Um, and the other is family, you know, just educating family. Families are becoming much more educated today about long acting injectables. Uh, support organizations are regularly receiving information and so forth. Um, then, a, you know, a, a barrier in, in my mind is, and, and this ties into just a new concept that's entering healthcare, not just mental health. Can we incentivize patients? I've worked on some few small projects where we're actually incentivizing patients to not only begin a long acting, but just as important, it's not so much getting the person a long acting injectable, but we have data here in the United States that after about six months, 40% of people are no longer on that long acting injectable. So, so many people are getting lost, you know, after all that work you've done to start. So these projects, and not just ones I'm involved with, are actually looking at potential monetary incentives to patients to stay. Every time they come in for an injection, they're actually getting some monetary reimbursement. We have that model now in other mental, other physical health conditions. Uh, in diabetes and asthma, certain health plans are beginning to incentivize patients. And I, I think schizophrenia, bipolar disorder is the perfect uh, setting to incentivize patients to stay on their treatment. Oh, you, you bring up some, you know, really great points on barriers. Um, you know, the hesitancy of other prescribers, you know, for when we think back in history and forever, there's been such a stigma attached to like mental illness. And these these drugs are like su such a game changer. And, you know, why would providers exhaust everything else and use a long-acting injectable as a last resort? Instead, if, if we want healthier communities and healthier patients, why don't we shift the use of the long-acting injectables to the first line of treatment? So we eliminate all those adherence issues, challenges, tol tolerability issues that the patients experience. It's interesting. No, it, it's a good point. I mean, if you look, and I'm sure as, you know, with all of the relationships that Advantage Care has with so many different health groups and settings, a large number of people who are on long-acting injectables, you know, they're received at uh, community mental health centers, uh, federally qualified health clinics, clinics that are often overburdened with the number of patients. Uh, part of it is due to their, you know, uh, their uh, insurance carrier being at Medi-Cal, Medicare. You know, you, you often see that population sort of getting care at areas of large volume. And those settings 
you know, really will, you know, see 25, 30, 35 patients in a given day. So it's quite rapid. So that's been another piece, you know, is there a way of incentivizing even providers clinics to be presenting this as an option more regularly? I, I think that could play a role also. And, you know, you may ask, well, you know, you keep talking about incentivizing. Well, I'm basing that on outcome. We clearly have data now showing if you stay in a long acting injectable, less recidivism, incarceration, homelessness, you know, that data is coming forward. So it's very important that we educate our legislators, the people that oversee, you know, reimbursement, that this formulation may cost more just, you know, if you look just purely at the drug cost, but what about the end result if they stay on that medicine? I mean, the savings are in the millions, uh, even, you know, within a area like Southern California, if we can keep people, start long acting and keep them on it. So I think we, uh, we do have a responsibility of, you know, not just educating prescribers and the people involved in the but our legislators, uh, our other advocates, our other stakeholders, why this is, you know, a win-win-win across the board. No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And, you know, something you touched on earlier, like a team approach, um, take, taking care of our um, SBMI population really takes an integrative approach an approach where we have the, the clinical team, the provider, the pharmacy team providing, you know, not only the dispensing of, of the long, long acting injectable, but also, you know, in some cases providing the nurses to do the injection, the pharmacist doing the injection, the follow-up on missing doses, like you meant. An integrative approach not only includes that entire team team, but also, like you mentioned, even legislatures and community organizations and the families and almost like an entire village to take care of our patients. No, you're absolutely. And, you know, Michelle, to be honest with you, uh, I am so appreciative and I may not speak for every prescriber, but when my case manager in the in the clinics where I work, you know, sort of direct the discussion of a long acting injectable, even the presentation to the patient and their families. And then come to me and say, you know, Dr. Barra, you know, we I've been talking to Joe about this medicine and I think it'll be a right fit. So when my team around me are believers, it makes my job so much easier. And I think the same would go for, you know, uh, uh, the pharmaceutical setting. Um, if the pharmacy, pharmacy, let's say Advantage Care, the the people that they're seeing that are on um, atypical antipsychotics, if I would be more than supportive of the pharmacy presenting the long-acting injectable to anybody they're seeing of my patients who is on an oral agent. I feel they do just as well and sometimes a better job of presenting this formulation than I may do in a rushed practice that may just hit on some points here or there. 
So your point of this really being a full village is absolutely correct with this particular formulation. No, you, you know, you, you, you made another um, good point. I had a question on persistency and outcomes and you mentioned like from what you've seen, the persistency is like six months and then patients, you know, kind of drop off. What right. triggers a patient possibly to, to drop off after they've been coming in regularly for six months and getting the injection and clearly feeling better? What makes them stop coming? You know, there it, it really, you know, multi, you know, multiple, you know, uh, there are multiple explanations for why uh, that discontinuation rate is about 40%. And it's gradual. It's not like it's a drop off at month five or month six. You know, it's from month one to month two to month three. I, we did do a small study and we did see that the, the, key, the, the key place for assuring good you know, continued adherence is that third injection. So I feel it's so important, you know, injection one, certainly that, but the two and three, because there's so many pieces there. One coverage of the medication. Is there some, you know, disruption, you know, even though we got that first medicine, it may be a sample in our clinic, uh, but then, you know, getting approval of prior authorization or so forth. Some there was some misstep, uh, injection two or three. Second, the person was hesitant on injection one, but we were able to convince them. But that hesitancy grows by injection two or three, so that's why it's still important to keep them. Transportation to the clinic, there was some something was a little disjoint in the clarity of where you'll get that injection, who will give it, how it will happen. Uh, and so forth. Uh, the family maybe not getting engaged about, you know, it's important, you know, four weeks from today, uh, we'll, we want you, you know, to come back to this clinic. What I see in my clinic, the, the person injecting may be a different person. And some people are more enthusiastic in when they bring somebody in and explaining them injection to, well, others are more robotic. Oh, it's time for injection. Oh, you don't want it? They'll knock on my door. Dr. Vera, they don't want the injection. So right then and there is that therapeutic alliance, a little disrupt. It would, it's great if it can be the same person injecting, at least at the beginning. We know that can't happen all the time. Um, so, so those are some things. And that's where I don't think we can rely just on the clinic office, just giving a a reminder by telephone the day before we have, if we, we can't just leave a message. We have to call the day before or the week before the day of injection. If they don't come in the day after and not all people are, or mental health settings are invested in that comprehensiveness of making sure we keep that person on that medicine that we've started. And Advantage Care has been fantastic in that piece. I mean, you really have a team that understands the last thing we want is a person who started the medicine to lose them. Uh, that really does nobody any good.
No, absolutely. And, you know, our, our entire team, pharmacy team, social work team, and even our clinical team are completely invested, just as your team is, in that integrative model of taking care of the patient. And I've noticed in many of our clinical encounters and um, med reconciliations or MTM consultations that we have with a lot of patients, just that extra you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes that they engage with with uh, myself or the other pharmacists and having that conversation and discussing all their meds and getting that reinforcement, that positive reinforcement of why it's important to stay on your long-acting injectable and your other meds and taking care of everything and taking care of your health, just that goes such a long way to move them on, move them forward so that hopefully that persistency for that particular individual will be a monthly activity that they continue to, to do and live as healthy as they can. Right. No, you're absolutely right. I, I, I've shared with many people at Advantage Care, you know, over the years, if that model can be replicated, not just throughout the region, the state, the country, that the piece that Advantage Care provides that you know, all different disciplines, our persistence rate would triple, quadruple. We just don't have that. Even when you just mentioned that extra 15, 20, 30 minutes, that's a no-go in any setting. Nobody's providing that extra hand-holding uh, explanation, uh, you know, appreciating their concerns. That just doesn't happen in mental health to the way it should. So the, the model that you have with a team that understands the importance of keeping somebody on treatment is compassionate, really needs to be replicated. Uh, that's why I've been excited to, you know, support in any way I can uh, the kind of work that you're doing. Uh, it is what we need. Uh, for long-acting injectables to grow here in the United States, we're going to need models like what you have at Advantage Care to keep people well, keep people out of the hospital, keep people who are incarcerated that come into the community to stay well. Um, and so that's why I think, you know, without question, we have to educate decision makers, legislators, that these are the type of models that have to be supported. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, you know, that's how we're going to change our communities, our cities, our state, and, you know, make mental health, you know, better across the country. Um, before we end the show today, is there anything else you feel like you would like to add um, or anything you would like our listeners to know about long-acting injectables and Using sure. them yeah, well, I, I certainly, you know, all of you have familiarities with the formulation of long-acting injectables and have, pro my guess is, have had some experience. You know, my hope is that, you know, after the information that Michelle and I have discussed today, that you become much more excited about this formulation. Look at it as not just a treatment for people that are non-adherent, that are much further into their illness, let's say years and decades uh, into their mental illness, but something 
that can and should be considered at the beginning of illness. Uh, we clearly know the faster and more aggressively we can treat people earlier, the higher likelihood of their getting well and getting reintegrated back into society, maybe even returning to work, uh, getting engaged with their families, schools. So we have a, uh, a formulation, an injectable long-acting agent that can accomplish that for many people. And then finally, Michelle, I, the excitement, all of us, you know, even though we're all, you know, uh, healthcare professionals, we all, we do have an obligation to appreciate, you know, the economics of, of mental illness. And long acting injectables is a perfect example of good healthcare policy. And especially, you know, mental health, uh, uh, healthcare policy. And what I mean by that is, you can have a much better outcome and you can save money. If you can meet those two benchmarks uh, with regard to a particular treatment, that's a treatment that needs to be supported. And, and long-acting injectables do lead to better outcomes and they can save millions and potentially billions of dollars you know, to, our, uh, you know, to our healthcare expenditures. So, and that's by, you know, decreased hospitalization, incarceration, homelessness. And then the other piece we haven't talked about, uh, which is really for another discussion, people who stay well return to the workforce, even if it's part-time. And that's what I discussed with legislators. They become taxpayers. So no longer they're pulled off the disability piece and now they're integrated into the workforce. And the cost savings there are in the billions of dollars. So think of this as good healthcare policy if we can find ways and creative measures to introduce long-acting injectables more broadly. Oh, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. This is exactly how we make healthier communities. You know, I'm always of the mind, a healthy community is a wealthy community. Absolutely. You're no, absolutely right. Those two words go hand in hand. No, absolutely. Well, Dr. Berra, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, thank you so much um, for taking time today to be on the show. And to all the listeners out there, just remember, mental health matters. Thank you for listening to the Mental Health Matters series on Conscious Pharmacist Podcast. We hope you subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you miss something, you can listen again or just read the transcript of the show on our website, AdvantageHealthCareServices.com and MICHRXConsulting.com forward slash podcasts. If you have a spare minute, don't forget to give us a review or ratings on iTunes. Remember, mental health matters. And as was said in a proverb, just when a caterpillar thought the world was ending, he turned into a butterfly. The Conscious Pharmacist Podcast is a production of Mish RX Pharmacist Consulting Services and Advantage Healthcare Services. 